On our last broadcast, we were speaking about the problem of motivating lethargic Christians. So often, we noted, a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, is baptized, and unites with the church. Now, for the first six months, or maybe even a year, year and a half, he leads a fairly active Christian life, begins to grow a little bit, but all of a sudden he begins to uh, just sort of taper off in that interest. And the first thing you know, he's just another one of those Christians who sits there week after week in his pew, listening and soaking up in Sunday school and coming to all the affairs, but not much more discernible growth takes place. His life begins to uh, settle down like those around him, and not much really happens. In fact, not much happened in those first six months or a year or a year and a half. We were trying to discover, perhaps, why that might take place. And we looked at, during our last broadcast at Matthew, the 28th chapter, at the great commission that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to us as a clue to part of this problem. And we were saying that that commission has not been carefully enough followed by the Church of Jesus Christ. Let me read once again uh, part of that commission. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And of course, by his ascension to the throne of God and that place of authority at the right hand of the Father, in which he has rule over all the nations, this authority was granted to him. Then he went on to say, Go therefore, as a result of that authority which was given to him, uh, over all the nations and all of heaven and all of earth, he could now proclaim the gospel through his servants in all the world. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. So Gentiles, not just Jews, but all the nations, all the Goyim, all the Gentiles are to hear the gospel and some from every tribe and kindred and tongue and nation are, are to be brought to faith in Jesus Christ. Now that much of it we all understand, the missionary challenge of this passage as Christ gives it to his church. And missions have gone out, not always doing what they should, but at least gone out to all the nations as best possible. Now it's the rest of that commission I'm deeply concerned with, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now notice, as we said last time, the Lord Jesus sets the Great Commission in educational terms. He sets it forth as making disciples uh, from exception. A disciple, as we pointed out, is a learner or a student or a pupil. And we said that one of the, tr the tragic mistakes that the church has made is that it either accepts people in to the church without any demands upon them either before or after, or it makes the demands at the wrong time. It says you must go through a six-month course or a six-week course of instruction before we'll allow you to be baptized and become a, a member under the care and discipline of our local congregation. That isn't the way that things were done in the New Testament. People were baptized right on the road as they were riding along in a chariot. They'd stop the chariot and go out and get a handful of water and baptize somebody. Or they would be baptized in a prison when they believed, as in Acts 16, when the Philippian jailer was baptized by Paul and Silas after midnight, right there with the same water that he used to wipe their stripes. And uh, so people were baptized on the spot immediately and became members of the visible church of Jesus Christ once they professed a, per, uh, a faith in him. But you see, 
we try to hold people off. There seems to be an urgency in the New Testament about getting baptism done right away so that the person can become a part of the visible church. Baptism became the means of entrance into that visible church and made a person subject to its care and to its discipline. When he was baptized, he was a part of the visible church or the outward church, the organized church of Christ. And then he could be... uh, managed and controlled and disciplined by the elders and the leaders in the church so that instead of requiring a person to take a course before he enters the church so that uh, then he seems to be eligible to do so the eligibility in the new testament is not a lot of information it's trusting jesus christ as savior but once he is in the person should not think that he has graduated from a course and then doesn't have to study anymore or learn anything more He should rather look on joining the church as joining a school or entering a school which will be uh, which will involve him in a lifetime of study and a lifetime of learning at the feet of jesus christ so this is the first thing that we noted last time we have the cart before the horse we have things turned around backwards we have to get them straightened away now there's something else in this passage of great significance notice it says baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So this teaching or this discipleship is something that is to go on throughout the whole of the person's life during the whole of the time that he is a a member of that church of Jesus Christ until the Lord Jesus Christ returns or led and all the facts about the church. But the teaching of facts has been almost entirely the interest of the church of Christ as far as new members are concerned. Teach them the doctrines. Teach them what they need to believe. Teach them what they can uh, understand so that they can uh, deal with all the cults and all the heresies and so on. But we leave it there. This does not say teaching them the facts only. It involves that, but it goes on to say teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And therein lies a tremendous difference. It is the task of the Church of Jesus Christ to teach all the facts and all the implications of those facts upon life, all the implications of what those facts of the scriptures mean in the living day by day of a a Christian, uh, in his home, in his schoolwork, in his work down on the job, in his relationships with his parents or with with his children or with his wife or with her husband, In every dimension of life, this teaching is to be given in such a way that it is practical so that the person may keep Christ's commandments. We are not merely to teach facts. We are to teach the facts as living facts, facts which influence life, facts which change life, facts which dramatically transform life. And here is what makes the difference. We are to teach people to observe or to keep all the commandments that Jesus Christ gave to us. This kind of teaching is different from giving a person a six-month course in the basic facts of doctrine that he needs. It is doctrine that has been turned into living stuff of life itself. Now, when we teach new converts how to live, when we are concerned not just with getting facts that they can return to us for the next Sunday school quiz, but when we start teaching them the meaning of these facts and the implications of these facts in daily living, 
what they mean in terms of now that the person has become a Christian in terms of how his business life should change, how his personal life should change, how his home life should change, then we're going to have less lethargic uh, activity among Christians. I'll talk more about this in our next broadcast and give you an idea of how it... Amen.